Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 1. As we looked at last time, this is basically going to be part two of what we, can, what we began last Sunday morning. And when you look at Psalm 1, you see right away from verse 6 that there are essentially two ways that lead to two different end results. Two different judgments, if you will. Two different destinies, you could say, in a sense. Whenever he says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. In other words, the righteous are going to be approved and found uh, blessed in God's eyes, but the wicked, the ungodly, are going to perish. In other words, they're going to suffer eternal damnation. But what I want us to rem- I want to remind us of a few things very briefly from last time and then move into new material. And very quickly, one of the things you notice from Psalm 1 is that everything about Psalm 1 is based upon the choices the individual makes. Notice again some of the wording. He says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, he made that choice. I'm not going to listen to that counsel, nor standeth in the way of sinners. I'm not going to stand around them nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I'm not going to do that. But his delight, in other words, here's what I choose to delight in. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, here's another choice. Doth he meditate day and night? Now, those are his choices that he makes. And now here's what he's like. Based on his choices, and there's also, I think, some other choices mentioned in the analogy here, or the simile, if you will, given about what he's like. But notice this. In verses 3 and 4, he says, But his delight, or excuse me, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So notice he's compared to this fruitful, productive tree. And that's some of what we're going to look at here, Lord willing, in a few moments as our new material. But again, I want to emphasize that what we're seeing in Psalm 1 the two different ways that are laid out, the way of the righteous, the way of the ungodly, those two different ways lead very clearly to two different ends, number one. And number two, as a reminder, they are based on choices we, the individual, makes. That we make as individuals, that's what it's based on. It's not happenstance. It's not accidental. It's not fate. As in, you have no control over it. Someone decided it all for you and you don't have any action to take. You and I have choices to make. And the way that we follow, that is determined by the choices we make. And where we go is determined by the way that we follow. So very simply, the choices we make not only leads us in the, in the, in the way that we've chosen, but it leads us to our ultimate end. So whether we are, as verse 6 says, those known by the Lord being in the way of the righteous, or whether we are going to be in the way of the ungodly and thus going to perish, that's all based on our choices. 
And we looked last time at what one of those choices was. And that choice was, what counsel do we listen to? What counsel do we follow? Because as we think about this way, this idea of way, I want us to think of, think of a few verses. For example, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Notice that. The way seems right, but the end is the way of death. That's exactly what Psalm 1, 6 is saying. Jesus himself echoes this same principle, Matthew 7, 13, 14. And notice how this is all built on the counsel that you listen to. Seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In other words, he needs to search outside of himself to find the pathway. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there's the, there's the way. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew 7, 13, and 14, and Psalm 1 go hand in hand. They're talking about the same concept. And Jesus himself reminded us in that context, Matthew 7, of the need to be careful of that counsel to which we listen. Matthew 7, 15, he says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? And the answer rhetorically is no. In other words, we'll know them based on what they say, what they do. We can test it, just like the Bereans did, Acts 17.11. So last time we looked very very um, briefly at the idea of what kind of counsel do I listen to. The psalmist here says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law that we meditate day and night. So I want us to look now at some new material. Notice verse again verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> These two... Uh, comparisons that we see. He says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So let's first notice the contrast that we see in verses 3 and 4, and then we'll move to something else about verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So notice very quick, notice very simply, the distinct contrast between chaff which the wind driveth away, which would be the empty hole that's just nothing, and the wind blows it about. The wind could move, a, a, the slightest breeze of wind could move thousands of these as if they're nothing, because they are. But yet the righteous are pictured as a firmly rooted, productive, fruitful tree there by the side of the rivers of water. Those are, that's a sharp contrast. I want you to notice something else about the comparison. It says the ungodly are not so, verse 4. That means that you and I can go back through verses 1 through 3 and we can negate everything that was said in verses 1 through 3, and we can see a picture of the ungodly. Because remember, there's only two ways 
the righteous and the ungodly. And there's only two destinations, approved of God or lost forever. And so when we go back through, the ungodly are not so. Now look at now let's look at verses 1 through 3 again with that in mind. Let's negate everything that's there and we'll see exactly who the ungodly are. Alright? It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So that would mean, Cursed is the man that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. And standeth in the way of sinners, and sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You see what we're doing here? You see what? I, and it's not you and me doing it. The psalmist did that whenever he said the ungodly are not so. Whenever he said they are not so, he, he literally negated everything he had just said and made that a description of the ungodly. So then in verse 2, His delight is not in the law of the Lord, and he doth not meditate in it day and night. And he will not be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He will not bring forth fruit in his season. His leaf will wither, and whatsoever he does will not prosper. That's who the ungodly are. The ungodly are not so, but are like. So verses 1 through 3, when you negate them, tell you what the ungodly is not. Verse 4 tells you what the ungodly are. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Now, as we think about this, I want us to focus on this fruitful, productive, rooted tree of verse 3. And as we think about that, I want you to think about some of the teachings that we find in the New Testament. For example, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Jesus, had, Jesus says there, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under for the men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So he compares his followers, he compares those that are practicing his ways to salt and light. He said further, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. In other words, a bushel basket. Under a bushel basket. They don't light a candle and put it under a basket. But on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may notice. See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You say, well, I, I didn't hear all about the influence and this kind of thing necessarily in Psalm 1, but look at what Psalm 1 said. After saying he delighted in the law of God, he said he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, notice, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So he's fruitful and he's active. That's who this blessed man is. He's fruitful and he's active, working, doing. And that's exactly what Jesus just said about how they would be the salt and the light. He said, you be those things. But notice how he concluded that statement, verse 16, Whenever he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How do you serve as the light to the world around you? By good works. How do you serve as salt, a preserving agent in the world around you? By good works. By doing the right things. By doing the right things. Remember the judgment scene at 25? So let's, let's get our mind at beginning of verse 31 all the way through 46. But let's, let's remember the context, right? He had talked about the destruction of Jerusalem, Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 34. And he had said that they would see the signs of it coming and that, they, that Jerusalem would be destroyed, but that they should see the signs and be able to be okay. And then he said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, 2435. But he said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, 2436. And then he goes on and tells them, You won't know when I'm going to return. You won't know when the world's going to end. And then in Matthew 25, there are three distinct sections of Scripture that all go together. As we've looked at together recently. Matthew 25, 1 to 13, the parable of the ten virgins. Those who are prepared versus those who are not. Five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. The wise virgins made preparation. They knew it could have been a longer ordeal for them waiting for the bridegroom, and they made the preparations because they didn't know when he would return. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, the parable of the talents. Very simply put, what kind of a steward am I going to be in my life, and I will stand in judgment for that stewardship? As we see the three different servants there using the various amounts of money and, so, and two of them being commended and one of them being condemned. The two that were commended used what they had and produced more. Notice that. Produced more. Productive. They were good stewards. The one who was condemned went out and buried what he was given and did nothing with it because of his fear, because of what he thought he understood about the Master. But then... So we've said, be prepared for the unknown timing, Jesus said. Be prepared for the unknown timing, verses 1 through 13. He said, be a good steward verses, of my blessings to you, verses 14 through 30. And now, when you look at Matthew 25, 31 to 46, you have this judgment scene. <clears throat> so if you ask me, Matthew 25, 31 to 46 is the judgment scene for church. That's exactly who that is. And yes, you have a division in the church of the sheep and the goats. So think about this for a moment. Remember whenever Paul told Timothy, he says, I charge, after telling him all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing, and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So Paul told Timothy, preach the word. But just prior to that, after he had said all scriptures given by inspiration of God, he said, Jesus is going to judge the kingdom. Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom? And that's exactly what Matthew 13, 47 to 50 
The parable of the net is about. The kingdom is the net. The net will be drawn up and there will be a separation out of the good and the bad in the net. There is a judgment of the kingdom. There is no doubt of that question. And if you ask me, that's exactly what Matthew 25, 31-46 is portraying. Is a judgment of the kingdom. So you remember what, what is said here in Matthew 25, 31-46. The Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him. Then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all nations. Well, that's exactly who the Gospel went to. And Matthew is very specific as one of the four Gospel accounts in that regard. That the gospel went to all nations. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes in his baptized shall be saved. That's how Mark reports it. But notice the inclusion of the word all nations in, in Matthew's account of, of more of what Jesus had said. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Matthew 28, 18 and following. So here he says, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all nations and He shall separate them. He's going to separate them. And here's how. One from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats and He shall set the sheep on His right hand but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You remember what Psalm 1 says? That the blessed man is like? That fruitful, productive, active, working picture that it gives of that blessed man by showing him as this fruitful tree rooted next to the water producing Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Notice the work here. Come ye blessed of my Father. Come ye blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, notice who's answering him, the righteous. Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee? Or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick? or in prison, and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. In other words, if, we, if, if a person has practiced loving their neighbor as themselves, the second greatest commandment, they've been doing that all along, as if, it's as if they were doing that all along for Christ himself. King shall answer, Verily I say unto you, and as much as you have done it unto me, least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye first, into everlasting fire. Notice the description, the curse. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the damned godly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. 
the ungodly are not so. into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he says, he goes through the same basic group of things, but now they're negated, as he had, done, as he had gone through with the righteous. He says, I was hungry, and he gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not sick and in prison and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered or thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto them? When do we do that? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not unto the one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And then the analysis. Listed in verse 46. These shall go away in everlasting passion, but the righteous in the life of God. For the Lord knoweth the way of the godly, the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 16. Talk about already that the blessed man is following the right counsel. But now we see that the blessed man is doing the right things, is productive in the right work. That's who that blessed man is. And what's, what, what I love about these things is they're not... They're not so complicated that most people can't do it which is how the world likes to make certain things that don't have to be hard. The world loves to make stuff that's easy really hard. Anybody that's ever worked in any kind of a setting has seen that at times. God lays out a very simple plan. If you'll listen to the right instruction, and I'll tell you what that is. And if you'll do the right things, be involved in the right kind of works, I'll take care of it. So let's think about, for the rest of our time this evening, you and I and works and growth. Because that's what he's saying, productive. Productive is the idea of growth. It's fruitfulness. And I'm afraid sometimes we might be one-dimensional or maybe not as... Maybe we look at it in sort of a single facet, I guess you might say, of productivity. And maybe it's sometimes this way, maybe it's sometimes the other way. But I want you to think about the two ways that we can be considered fruitful when it comes to positive ways listed in Scripture. We can be fruitful and productive in a sense, like it's talked about in, in Matthew 5, 3 through 12. The basis that led to them being the salt and the light. Think about who those blessed people are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. For they shall be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So think about those characteristics that describe the blessed person that leads to that person being the salt, verse 13, and the light, verses 14 through 16. That leads to that concept of let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You could spend a week, we could spend an entire summer series on the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, 3 through 12 with the amount of information that you can learn from the Scriptures in just those, those Beatitudes. There's so much there for us to learn and from which to grow. We could be talking to be fruitful from the standpoint of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. If you take a look there in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you remember how the, the fruit of the Spirit <coughs> is contrasted with the work of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is contrasted with the works of the flesh. So Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit says, but the fruit of the Spirit says, but the fruit of the Spirit, because he just talked about the works of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, against or temperance, against such there is no law. Think about that. Against such there is no law. These are all things that you can net that whenever you can continue to grow in these things and continue to produce these things. Like was said in in Second Peter one. As Chuck referenced this morning, 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and following, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Godliness. God-likeness. Being like God. Characteristics that I can grow and develop to be like God. Things I can add to my life to be like God. Remember the wording of Psalm 1? The ungodly, the wicked are not, the ungodly are not so. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through how did He do it? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So, there's the gospel call to eternal life. That's what accomplished that. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Notice this. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Notice that being a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What leads to that corruption? The lust. He's saying we, in becoming Christians and in following the truth, we've escaped that corruption, that corroding influence of the world through lust. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, and beside this, giving all diligence, there's work, there's effort, there's growth 
working and striving for growth, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things, you see the choice? Just like in Psalm 1, we have a choice. I, I choose which one of those I'm going to be. And I choose which counsel I'm going to listen to. And I choose what actions I'm going to put into my life. What work I'm going to do or not do. And therefore what end I'll have. What judgment I'll have. If these things be in you and about them, they make you that you shall neither be barren, notice, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things, remember, having it is fruitfulness, he that lacketh these things, remember Psalm 1 4, but the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The chaff, the empty husk. Nothing in it, no value, blown about, nothing in it. It's worth nothing. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, as Chuck mentioned earlier. Is blind. And I thought it was funny how last Sunday our, our lessons seemed to sort of dovetail and they seemed to have done, again, done it again this Sunday and we didn't talk about either one of them in that comparison. But, funny enough, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. I thought that was an excellent explanation this morning. And that's what he's saying here. He cannot see afar off. And notice how that lack, as, as Chuck mentioned, how that lack of sight leads to that lack of remembrance. Hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Well, when you forget that you've been purged from your old sins, you don't feel like there's any need to live a certain way. What does it matter? I don't care. Wherefore the rather, brethren, notice that. Wherefore the rather, don't go that way, go this way. There's two ways. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence. There's that word again. Give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. For if, there's that choice again, there's that conditional statement again, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. I want you to deeply implant that phrase in your mind, by the way, because when someone comes to you and says, you see, once you've obeyed the gospel of Christ, it's impossible for you to fall away. That's fake news. That's false teaching. It's not impossible for you to fall away. Peter himself goes on and says that you can in this same book. I don't understand what the, what the problem is with that. This is a conditional statement that as you continue continue in, sorry, as you continue in these things, you will not fall. If you continue in these things, you won't fall. But guess what? When you stop continuing in these things, guess what you're going to do? You're going to fall. So it's very simple, very basic, but when we're fruitful and continue in the gospel, we're saved from the dangers of being lost. We're 
we're susceptible to being lost if we choose, if we stop doing what we're supposed to be doing. We can be lost. We will be lost if we stop. But he says, if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance will be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's all these ways in which we can be fruitful. But really, I've only been talking about one side of fruitfulness. Growing and developing certain characteristics, certain attitudes, certain mindsets. There's another way in which you and I are meant to be fruitful. If we're going to be faithful in God's sight. That fruitfulness would be related to the Great Commission. Now, don't get me wrong, we're not accountable for people obeying the gospel when we teach them the gospel, right? I'm not accountable for, if I teach someone the gospel and they just outright refuse it, I'm not accountable for that. Because I can't learn it for them or I can't accept it for them. But I can teach them. But take a look at so we're familiar with the Great Commission passages. And no doubt we're familiar with John 15 as well. But take a look at John 15 for just a quick moment in our closing thoughts here before we extend the invitation. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Let that sink in for just a moment. Jesus is the vine. His Father is the husbandman. In other words, the caretaker. The one tending and keeping. I'm the true vine. My Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me... So He's the vine, and there are branches growing off of Him, and those branches are the individuals. Pay special attention to that. That as we read through here, He's obviously talking about the individuals. And he says, I am the true vine, my father's the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except ye abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye, individuals, abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. point this out that John 15 reminds us that when we aren't fruitful the way we're supposed to be fruitful, we'll be lost. And I want us to remember and be reminded that fruitfulness isn't just growing in attitudes and mindsets. It's growing in the actions that go along with them, including teaching and the lost and helping those around us loving our neighbor as ourselves loving God with all our heart, soul and mind and that way we're fulfilling the two greatest men blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor 
abstaineth from the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorn. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night. And he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, therefore, there's a relationship there, a causality. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19, 10. And he, has sent, he sent his disciples out to teach the gospel to the world. He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He died paying the price for sin to purchase the church. Those that have been called out from that world, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, they've been added to the church. Acts chapter 2. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, why not tonight? And if you have obeyed and you've fallen away, why not make it right with the Lord before it's too late?